Hey friends, this week we're away teaching farm camp to 15, 8 to 12 year olds and it's keeping us quite busy. I wanted to review with you our year of rest. Next week, Lacey and I are going to be talking about where we are after about the halfway mark of this year of rest and thought this episode would be good to kind of review and hear why we're doing it and how we're doing it and join us next week as we talk more about where we are now and the lessons we've learned so far. Hey friends! Welcome to The Schoolhouse Life, where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling, self-sufficient family homestead. We go back to basics in all things family, faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle. We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. Hey friends, it's Drew and Lacey here. Really excited to talk to you about this topic that we've been going back and forth on as kind of scriptural term. It's a harvest related term, a farming term, but the word is Shemitah. And it's something that's laid out in scriptures for farmers to do. And we're just exploring this year doing it. Yeah. So there's kind of different ways you can look at it. I know when we first moved on to our land, we said we would wait seven years and then we would do it. So you can kind of like pick your own seven years or you can follow kind of the larger body of Israel and they kind of have their own calendar. And this year is that. So it's all of Israel, the people in the land of Israel are also doing the Shemitah. I think we need to take a step back. That's what I was going to say. So now Lacey, explain (laughs) Shemitah. Not even that. So in a Hebraic calendar, the year starts at Rosh Hashanah, which happened a couple of weeks ago. So Rosh Hashanah happens in the fall, and it's a holiday celebrating the beginning of the the new year, which is the, I forget because there's two new years. It's the... So it's like the civil new year. The civil new year, right. But so that means that all, without, throughout all of Judaism, they're on the same year, starting at sort of the beginning of creation. So we would be in the year 5782 now. And that, according to the rabbis, and you know, calculations could be off because things get lost over the years over the course of history. But according to the rabbis, that would be, it would fall as a Shemitah year, so a year of rest. So in the land of Israel, a lot of the farms and agricultural people are resting this year, letting their lands rest this year. And it's interesting because Drew and I have tried to embrace a lot of the different agricultural regulations that are listed in scripture for the simple fact that if it's in the Bible and it tells us to do that, then it probably is for our our benefit, for our good, and we can learn from it. So that is true within our entire context with, with in terms of the holidays we celebrate and the moons that we try to recognize and following the cycles of Judaism and Hebraism and all of those things has become a, a really important element of our lives over the last 20 years. Yeah, you know, somebody, I was on a different podcast and somebody was asking me how how we got into agriculture or farming or homesteading. Mm. And ultimately, as I kind of pondered it, it ultimately came down to our attempt to grasp the scriptures more, mm. to know the creator better, because all of the feasts and festivals in the Bible are based off of agricultural cycles. You know, like when the barley is harvested mm. is Passover, you know, and when the fall festivals are a celebration of the crops that have been harvested. So everything goes back to an agricultural principle. And as we kind of started looking at that more, like even looking at like sheep and raising sheep, you know, there's so many metaphors. So what does it really look like to raise sheep? What, you know, and it's funny because we were talking with a rabbi about sheep and I was like, man, they're a dumb animal. And he was like, well, from a farmer's mouth, he knows, you know, so like most people don't even know, but so that that's kind of, 
where we're at, I guess. I think, too, one of the things that, as a society, we've become less and less intertwined with nature, right? We've isolated ourselves from it. And for the most part, people stay outside of nature as much as they possibly can, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, working in an office space, sleeping in a bedroom, you know, not really coming in contact with the rhythms and cycles of nature in a powerful way. And I think there's a shift happening. But I think when you look at scripture, the ideal lifestyle is so intertwined with nature and those cycles that it couldn't ever be undone. And I think in all of society, not just, you know, non-Hebraic living, but even in the Hebrew world, in the Jewish world, there has been this separation of sort of nature and society, so to speak, that, you know, you leave the work of nature up to the farmers and they do their thing in a way that fits within the, the framework of how can I make this the most efficient the biggest yield and more, that more most profitable, the most profitable, right. And driven in a way that's more mechanical than it is spiritual. And I think that what we can see in scripture is that those two things are so intertwined and should be interlaced. And, and so our hope and our goal has always been to, to absorb more of that and to live it out. And so that's probably exactly how we ended up on a homestead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, all that to say that the idea of Shemitah, you know, looking at it, and we did discuss doing it on our own okay, time okay. frame. Okay, so you got to define Shemitah. Okay, well, let me come back to that in just okay. a second. Because I do think that Drew said something important earlier about you can start it at the time of you start your homestead, right? And then seven years and you give it a rest. I think we did sort of attempt that. But what I note this year is that because even though we did kind of do that with, without real intention, we sort of did do that. But we that would have been 2019 and now here we are in 5782 and we have all of the people in the jewish world are sort of waking up to this idea of shemitah too in a different way right even if they're not in the land of israel even if they're not farmers there's a lot of talk of shemitah and it's become more of a like spiritual yeah kind of question like what does shemitah even mean for us anymore right, right? and what is the purpose of it? Why did it even exist? And I think that in seeing that community rise up to that question, it is so helpful and reassuring and supportive. And that just re realigns with all of the ideas that we have about community and doing things in community and how important it is to have set staple times that everyone is doing the same thing at the same same moment. Yeah, and even that's though, very true. No, no homestead is an island. Right. And even though that at some point, you know, it it would be nice to stagger the Shemitah so that, you know, oh, well, I know that farmer is going to have plenty of produce because they're not celebrating it this year. That's not how... That's kind of missing the point of Shemitah. Right. Maybe <laughs> we're going to get into that. So anyway, Shemitah is a funny word to say. So Shanat Shemitah. Shanat Shemitah. Yeah, is like the full full sentence. And that's Hebrew for meaning let the land go. A year, okay. a year let go. A year let go. And so this is a year from Rosh Hashanah, which happened two weeks ago, to next Rosh Hashanah. You would not till or plant anything in the soil. Right. So like, I guess let's define it a little bit more. And this, Lacey and I agree on some of this and disagree on some of this. <laughs> and the fun thing is within like the Jewish world, it's okay to do that. And we're kind of also... Well, people always, you know, like a lot of times there's like this idea that, that Judaism is very legalistic. And, you know, there are definitely laws and things that... Rules, things that you abide by that maybe don't make rational sense. But then there's this like the Talmud and the Midrash and all of these places where you have these rabbis going back and forth and people think, well, that's too oppressive. And really when you look at it, 
it's just a conversation. It's not really even you must do this or you must do that. It's, well, this is what this rabbi says and I agree with him or I'm going to go with what he says or this is what that rabbi says and I agree with him. And I'm gonna. And it doesn't necessarily always divide off into different denominations as just a like, this is the full body, the like the back and forth. The, it makes me think of uh, Bruta, right? Yeah, the Prince of Egypt, the single thread in a tapestry, you know, like where, right. where all you can, everybody can disagree, but it's still all one tapestry. So like, <laughs> There's not like, it's kind of funny because you don't, there's not like a ton of synagogues in a city. You know, it's like there's maybe one or two, three, I would say at most, you know, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like in our town, I don't know how many churches there are, probably hundreds. So it's just, it's a different kind of theology or mindset of like, we're not separating because we disagree. We're staying together because we disagree. Mm -hmm. And even within our town, there is a huge, uh, the Jewish network that all comes together for a variety of different things. So it's sort of like we're all under this one umbrella, you know, and, and it maybe is a different level of orthodoxy, maybe is the right word, but ultimately they, they see the commonalities as more important than all of that. But anyway, back to this idea of, of we digress. Shemitah. <laughs> so, uh, there is, it's okay that we don't come to a full agreement, I right. think is the main point. And we're looking at this year as like, this is the first year we're doing this, so we're looking at this year as like a friend of mine who's also doing it, he said that like on their farm, the role is just every year, every Shemitah year should be better than the last Shemitah year. So, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can this year and mm. um, we'll see where we get. Like, So I would say we started keeping Shabbat years and years ago, right? Like it's been 20 years or so. And, and then, you know, kids come into the picture and then, you know, some months are better, some weeks are better, whatever. It's never like, it's never like, a, oh, that was the best Shabbat ever or that was the worst Shabbat ever. It's like, hmm, what can we change and alter? And right. how is this me- still meaningful for our family? And I think that the benefit of Shabbat is it comes once a week, so we right. get a lot of chances. You get a lot more practice. Right. But Shemitah, you know, every seven years, we only have how many of those in a lifetime. Right. But you have a longer time to practice. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so Shemitah is essentially not working the land, not working plants. Kind of some of the ideas are if it's in an effort to keep a plant alive, we always preserve life, right? So mm. like ideally you would turn off like your sprinklers, but if a plants are going to die because of that, you would leave your water on. You can harvest from perennials. This is like the coolest part I, I think of Shemitah is that you can harvest from any of your perennials. You can harvest from anything that grows on its own, anything that comes from like a wild immersion. Like kind volunteers. Of volunteer kind of event. Mm. You can eat any of that, but the deal is you're not taking in more inside than what you're going to eat right then. So you're not preserving. You're not putting up, which that's the biggest challenging part. But the idea behind it is that you're leaving it in the field for the poor, the widow, the people that can't, don't have anything to eat, including animals and wildlife. Which technically is that there's an allotment for them even during times, years that aren't Shemitah, you're supposed to leave the corners of your field for the poor. So um, that is, I mean, it's always kind of a thing, but I, I don't know. It's a curious, like I, I still am hashing this out because it's really hard for me to see you know, or think about there potentially being a crop of grapes that I'm not going to make some jelly from or something. So right. I don't know. But you can eat a lot of grapes and the birds are going to love you. The deer are going to love you. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So this is the thing. I kind of had come to terms with them. Like, okay, well, we won't plant anything, but anything that comes up or any perennials that even if we have to go to other farmers to get perennials, we can do that and then we can put that up. That's kind of what I had kind of in my mind, even <laughs> though I know we talked about not preserving, but I felt like that was a good... Just because we, you know, I don't want to 
not preserve and then go to the store for things. Like that seems like it defeats the purpose. Right. Yeah. And that, that is definitely something like I kind of had thought like, okay, we won't eat any vegetables <laughs> at like from grocery stores that we normally would grow. But then it's like, do we just eat out of the pantry? I mean, we have a lot that we preserved this year. And if we would have planned better for a Shemitah year, we probably would have put up more so that we had enough to make it through. But then I wonder, is that even the point? But maybe right. it is. I right. don't know. So it's interesting because technically when the when the Israelites were in the desert, right, they had manna that was provided for them without the need of, right. of growing or tilling or anything like that. And then they also had enough manna on a Friday to supply them through the Shabbat. So otherwise, if they saved it, it would rot. Otherwise, if they brought it in to try to keep it for the next day, it would rot, but not on Shabbat. On the on the Friday to Saturday, on that Sabbath day, they had enough from the day before to survive or to, to eat and be full. Right, and ideally, like, the scripture on it promises abundance during Shemitah. So it's not like you're supposed to suffer and barely make it through. God says, actually, like, you'll, you'll see abundance in this year. Mm. I will provide. And that's kind of, like, been the biggest, like, mindset shift that I'm still chewing on is this idea of, like, you know, I think everybody in our audience is pretty similar on the thought that it seems like the world's ending. I mean, if you don't, then I don't know. I'd like to talk to you, not yeah. to convince you, but so you can convince me. Right, right. <laughs> and so, like, the idea of, like, okay, we need to be, like, putting up right now. I need to be, like, double stocking. And instead, we get this, like, cockamamie idea. If you of, had told me in 2018, don't do anything next year, I'd have been like, okay. That yeah, sounds like a nice right? break. Yeah. <laughs> But now, now like, it's like panic inducing. Yeah, it is, but it's like also at the same time, I feel like it's like the best kind of like personal development, spiritual development you can do of like the very thing that like brings you calm and solace. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to step back from that mm -hmm. and see what happens instead. The reality is we do at this point, anyhow, still have a safety net of grocery stores and things. And I fully believe even if we didn't have those, we would find abundance. You know, we might be, you might find us over here, like chewing on, what was that, that Jenny? We'll ate? never not have <laughs> enough plantain. So, right? I mean, right? Like, we'll have plantain <laughs> and like that. Um, we'll have plantain salads and chicory. And, and that uh, wild grapevine thing that, what was that that Jenny was showing us that you could eat the tips of that's like a spiky vine? Oh, the thorny briar. Yeah, thorny briar. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's, we, there's plenty to forage that we've not really, I mean, we've been, I've been learning a lot over the last few years, but we haven't been so bold as to like, actually make our meals from that and to feed a family of six yeah. from that is a different, it's a totally different thing. And I'm a little excited about the potential of that, but then you think about December and it's like, well, I just kind of think lots of lamb stew lots and of lamb. chicken <laughs> and yeah. eggs eagues once our chickens start laying again. Yeah. And Very milk. high in protein. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of protein. And grains. I mean, particularly we could have stockpiled greens right. for a whole year. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is like the Shemitah year. So because they would not have harvested the grains like this, like if we're looking at it now, they would not have harvested the grains this year because that would happen after Rosh Hashanah. And then they wouldn't plant them. They wouldn't plant them. So it would actually be almost three years from the grain. They so it'd be the them. year prior, the year during, and the year after. So kind of crazy. I mean, that's a lot. But but um, I think too, like we, one of the more fundamental basic principles of this is that we're healing the earth, which is what we, Drew and I, I feel like are most passionate about is like the thing that you can't see, healing the body of the planet. Right. And the spiritual. The, yeah. Element. The fundamental, like 
underlying the stuff that we can't see. And we have grown so much in how much we know and understand how the soil works. And we have grown an understanding of like how tilling disrupts that and how pulling plants out disrupts that and all of these different things that, you know, fundamentally there's an energy that happens beneath the soil that we can never fully comprehend because it's so deep and so, so complex just like our bodies are, right? Like there's all these neuro connectors and mycelium and worms and, you know, just all of this stuff happening that if we let it rest for a year, what could potentially happen? Now, that's a big question. We don't know, but even in regeneration- We'll tell you next year. Right? Like we'll have to (laughs) just wait and see. But even when we're talking about regenerative agriculture, like that's a lot of the a lot of the plan is to make it be the land resting all the time. Right. I mean, really is the ideal situation if you're talking about ra- raising and grazing animals on a regenerative pasture. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like I just kind of, as Lacey was saying that, I think about like, we don't know the repercussions of like hose hitting the ground or shovels hitting the ground or, you know, like we're going to, I think we're still going to mow, but you Maybe know, not a patch. So yeah. this is something else that, you know, I've been like a little obsessed with of like, okay, look, let's not touch that area and see what comes of it. And this year we've discovered a ton of new species in those areas that we didn't know were there. And this emergence gardening where you let your lawn grow and see what wildflowers come. And they will. They'll come because they're there. But we actually have to take a break. And we are going to come back and do a part two of our Shemitah talk, which I'm really excited about. But I hope you're intrigued. And I am so curious. I would love for you to join our discussion in the Facebook group. Yeah. Is Shemitah for you or is Shemitah not for you? Tell us in the group. Yeah. We want to know. Tell us on social media. media tag, thoughts, a, tag us. Tag yeah. a friend that would like to hear more about Shemitah. All right. Thanks, all.